All right. This morning, we're going to continue on with uh, what we've been doing. We've been talking about the way of Jesus. And each Sunday, we delve into a particular character element of Jesus. And we've done a few already, and today's is going to be patience. So if you need a minute to leave, I'll just pause. <laughs> I, like, I couldn't resist. And you can't hide in the bathroom for the next half hour because you can still hear it in there. So that won't work either. So uh, you're just locked in or else everyone's going to know that you just don't want to hear it. Um, all right. So we all know how we feel about patience. There's so many things that people say about patience. Don't pray for patience and blah, 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 and all that stuff. All right. We recognize that in the flesh, we are really lacking in our ability to be patient. We recognize that it's a difficult thing to do. And because of that, I feel like we need to get some facts established before I even start really teaching about it, because people have such a reaction to talking about patience. So let's just go over some really basic facts, and it's your job to just accept them. So keep that in mind as we talk about this. Jesus exemplified patience for us. He lived a patient life. Um, I was at a pastor's meeting this past week, and I had a good reminder of something really important about Jesus. Jesus wasn't just patient and compassionate and loving because he's just God. That's not an excuse for you. You can't say, well, of course Jesus was all those things because he's God, and that's just easy for him. You're forgetting that Jesus was also fully man. In his incarnation while he walked this earth, he was fully man. He was the ultimate human being. And even though he experienced trials, temptations, hardships, suffering, all these things, the weakness of the flesh, he still did the will of the Father. He was fully man too. And he also said, just like I prayed this morning, that for those who believe, they will do the things that I did and greater. He said that to us too. He sent his spirit to us. He gave us his spirit. And now for those who believe that spirit dwells inside of you, what's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does? He brings forth fruit. He causes us to bear fruit. And Galatians 5 tells us that one of those fruits that we bear by having the spirit inside of us is patience. That's just the way it is. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit. He requires it, and he has provided the power and the grace for us to walk in it. The Word talks over and over again about the people of God needing to be patient. These are just the facts. Remember, you're not trying to become someone different. You're becoming who you truly are. So you're not trying to stop being this impatient person you are increasingly becoming more patient because that's who you are as a new creation. With the spirit living inside of you, you are something new. And so he is going to make you more patient. You are going to bear that fruit. So if you can believe those things, that's really important. And if, you're st if you still really struggle and you still really think, well, it's just impossible for me to be patient, I want you to ask yourself a question. Is there a grain of pride in your impatience? 
Do you struggle to be patient because you walk around with a mindset of, well, it's very difficult to exercise patience when you always know what the right thing is. It's always difficult for me to be patient with people because I do things quick and I know the right thing and all of these plebs just can't keep up with me. I mean, really, foundationally, ask yourself, is there some level on which I believe that and thus I excuse my impatience because everybody is just not quite as far ahead as I am. If you think that way about people, it will not be long before you lump God into that. Before you make a God a plebe and think that you know better than him. That's just the way it works. So ask yourself that and really ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Is there some pride that I need to get rid of when it comes to patience? So if you can accept these core things, then you have completed step one today. Congratulations. You're ready to receive some teaching about patience. So as we've done these um, teachings on the character and the way of Jesus, I have found word studies to be so helpful because often I will encounter a word like patience, like compassion, and I will assume that I know exactly what it means biblically based on what I know of my experience and just what that word means in English. And so frequently when I do the word study, I find that there's nuances of patience and compassion that I didn't perceive. And I found it to be really true as I looked at patience. So let's just look at what this word is. In Greek, this is macrothumia. And it just means, literally, patience or long-suffering. And depending on your particular translation, this will be rendered one of three ways. It will be patience, it will be forbearance, or it will be called long-suffering. That's such a descriptive word, long-suffering. And I found that um, helps word studies and other different kinds of resources help bring out even more nuance of a particular word when you do your research. So this is what uh, they say. Um, Macrothumia embraces steadfastness and staying power. So patience, biblically, isn't about just waiting for something to happen. It's a lot about the attitude with which you wait. So it embraces steadfastness, that's a hard word, and staying power. If in English we had an adjective long-tempered as a counterpart to short-tempered, then macrothumia could be called the quality of being long-tempered, which is the quality of God. Think about um, what you think of when you know a short-tempered person. You know, they're quick to release their anger. They're hasty with their emotions. Uh, They lose their self-control very quickly, and they're just overall impatient. That's what it is to be short-tempered. So to be long-tempered is just the opposite of that. You are not easily provoked. You're self-controlled. You don't act rashly. You are very patient. That sounds a lot like love to me, to be a long-tempered person. It's completely, it's just the opposite of being short-tempered. So that's kind of some of the nuance in being patient. There's a lot there. And as I continue to do this word study and look at how the word patience is used um, in Scripture, I, I kept coming up to two ways in which it seems to me that patience manifests itself. Now, I'm sure these two ways aren't exhaustive. 
There's other ways you could look at it and other ways that you could see patience manifested in the life of Jesus. But I really wanted to just focus on these two today and bring them to you. So we'll look at the first one. So to be patient is to be slow to anger, right? That's to be that long-tempered. God is described as being slow to anger. You're not hasty to wrath. You're not hasty to avenging wrongs. Here's a couple of scriptural examples of this type of manifestation of patience. Romans 2.4 Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So while human beings, we are deserving of God's judgment and punishment on the spot. We earn that all the time. But that's not how he does things, right? God is patient with people, and he gives them time to repent because he doesn't want to see anyone perish. God is slow to anger. And that's a concept that's something we talk a lot about in, in Christian teaching. And then it goes on to talk about that in relation to us, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So Paul encourages us to walk with patience in our relationships with each other. If within the body you're going to be short-tempered with your brothers and sisters, you are going to destroy the bond of peace. You are going to not be keeping the unity of the spirit if you are just constantly retaliating against every wrong that you perceive with your brothers and sisters. So in that way, we have to be slow to anger. We can't be quick to avenge wrongs that we perceive or that are done to us. That is the first way that I came across that really stood out to me as far as how patience is manifested. And let's look at the second one. To be patient is to endure or to be steadfast, especially in hardships and delays. This is a lot about the way that we wait. Like I just mentioned before, a couple scriptural examples of this Hebrews six twelve. Then you will not be sluggish, but will imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. The context of uh, verse 12 here in Hebrews 6, what immediately follows this is all about God's promise to Abraham. So God promised to give Abraham many descendants, and Abraham waited a really long time for just one descendant. And there were a lot of missteps along the way as he waited for that. But God did fulfill that promise of a son. And despite those missteps, Abraham had to trust God and he had to patiently endure. And Isaac's birth acted as the pledge of a fulfillment of the promise that he made to Abraham for many descendants. And Abraham died in faith before he saw that promise fully realized. And that tells us that part of patient endurance is how we wait. Abraham waited with that patient, certain, hopeful expectation that God would make good on what he said. And he did. 
Another example of this is James 5, 10 through 11. Brothers, as an example of patience in affliction, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. See how blessed we consider those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen the outcome from the Lord. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Right here, James is using the example of the prophets. I mean, if you read any of the prophets, goodness sakes, what a bunch of hardship and suffering those guys went through to do the will of the Lord and to speak on his behalf. And I guarantee that if you have another Christian that you look up to or you admire for the way that they walk the walk, part of what you're looking at and seeing is patience. A person is patient. And that's very admirable. We often look at other Christians that are seem like they're really living for the Lord and just say, wow, that's, that's awesome. But it, it takes patience. Like that's something that we have to cultivate and we have to submit to the Lord. And so not only did Jesus exemplify patience in these ways that he was slow to anger and he was also very endurant. He taught about it. He taught his disciples all about patience And, um, oh, I skipped a whole section here. Sorry, I have to go backwards. I have to give you how Jesus exemplifies patience before I tell you about his teaching. So we'll do that first. Let's look at some stories of how Jesus exemplifies patience in being slow to avenge wrongs. Let's look at how Jesus is long-tempered. Look at this story here. Who can you think of that was a great target for Jesus' patience? Peter. Peter's a great target for everybody's patience. I was talking to Tab earlier in the week, and I was thinking, if Peter could hear the way that we talked about him sometimes in sermons, he'd be like, really? You weren't even there. But like, I'm sure if you were, you would have done so much better. You know, Peter is just, he's a, he's a, there's so many things to learn from the stories about him. So I'm, I know you're familiar with this, but I'm just going to read through it. Luke twenty two fifty six through 62. And a slave woman, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, seeing Peter and staring at him, said, This man was with him as well. But Peter denied it, saying, I do not know him. I do not know Jesus, woman. And a little later, another person saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour had passed, Some other men began to insist, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter had just told Jesus before this. He had just said, I won't leave you. Even if I have to die, I am not going to desert you. And Jesus is like, well, actually, this is what's going to happen. This had just taken place. Rather than stand by him in Jesus' greatest moments, his darkest moments of earthly struggle, he's being carried away. His darkest moment. Man, he could really use a friend right here. What does Peter do? He denies and abandons him. It's horrible. 
is so horrible. I'm sure that many of you have gone through difficult circumstances in your life. Probably right now you could quickly recall the darkest season that you've ever been through. And when we tell those kinds of stories, we always think about the people that were there. The people that were there with us in those moments. The people that stood by us, that stuck it out with us. And it's not that they stepped in and they were able to fix all of your difficult circumstances. But it was just the fact that you weren't alone. They didn't leave you alone. Just you knew that they were in your corner. And just that helped you to walk through those horrible, dark moments that you were in. You know those people. Now imagine that instead of being in your corner, instead of having your back, they abandon you. Imagine that they just completely sell you out. That is what Jesus experienced in this moment. He was just completely abandoned. That's what happened to him. And again, he was fully God, but he was fully man. He felt the weight of that betrayal in his darkest moments. It's not like it was no biggie for him because he's God. So it's just everything's easy for him. That's not what it is. He is fully acquainted with the suffering of being betrayed. He knows fully what that's like, and you're never going to experience it deeper than he did. So if you go through that, or if you have been through that, just know that Jesus is acquainted with your suffering. He understands that fully. And what Peter did was so wrong. It was so wrong. Jesus would have been completely justified to say, what did I just tell you? I just told you that this is what you were going to do. And you wouldn't listen. You weren't even prepared to face the trial. I told you you weren't going to hold up and you failed just like I thought. And you're not worthy of my fellowship. He would have been completely justified in that. But what does he do? He has great patience. He has great wisdom. He does not immediately avenge that wrong. And God does this deep work of humbling in Peter's heart. It completely changes things for him. And when Jesus is resurrected, he comes back and he reinstates Peter. And the Lord works through him powerfully in the early church to bring about this whole Jesus movement for it to spring forth. It's an amazing thing. Jesus was so patient with Peter. And there's so many other examples of how he walked in patience with people. I mean, think of Paul, like Jesus and Paul. Paul wasn't with Jesus during like his earthly ministry. But think about that level of patience. Paul was persecuting the early church. It says that he approved of the stoning of Stephen, that he stood there and watched over the garments of the people that were performing that horrific act, martyring the first Christian martyr. And uh, he was certainly worthy of vengeance, you know, like right there on the spot, judgment. But God is patient with him. Jesus is patient with him. And that patience leads Paul to repentance. And then we know what happens in Paul's life after that. It's intense. It's an amazing blessing to everyone who's lived ever since. So not only did Jesus provide us with these examples of how he lived his life with patience, but he also taught about it. And this is the part that I tried to skip forward to. So we'll look at that now. How did Jesus teach his disciples about patience? And um, 
this is a this is the parable of the unmerciful servant. There's so much teaching that you can draw out of this parable, and I hadn't really thought of it as one about patience, but the word patience is actually right in it. So let's just go ahead and read through that. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay everything. And the master of that slave felt compassion, and he released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had happened. Then summoning him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his master, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's pretty straightforward. No matter how much another person exasperates you and tries your patience, the Lord has been far more patient with you, and he has been far more patient with your greater debt than anyone owes you. He did not hastily avenge the wrongs that you committed against him. Rather, he died for you while you were still his enemy. Are we living our lives with other imperfect people in light of that fact? Or are we like the impatient and the vengeful servant? Do we live our lives with other people in light of the fact that we've been forgiven so much and the Lord has been so graciously patient with us? You have to keep that in mind. Let's look at the second way that patience is exemplified in Jesus. This is that uh, concept of being steadfast and enduring, having patient endurance, especially when things are difficult and there's delays. We perceive delays. We have to be patient. And instead of looking at um, the Gospels and everything, I thought I'd draw from the Old Testament for this because so many of the Old Testament prophets and writers foreshadowed the suffering, the hardship, the struggle, and the patience of Jesus in their writing. And Isaiah 53 is a great example of the foreshadowing of the suffering of Jesus. It is often titled in your Bibles, The Suffering Servant. So I've just taken a few uh, verses from this, and it almost reads like a list just the different sufferings of Jesus. Starting in verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. 
he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Like I said, it reads like a list. Um, like a list of hardships. And in all of this, Jesus patiently endured. He exemplified patience for us. As I read this, what really stood out to me was verse 3. And this portion about, he was like one from whom people hide their faces. People didn't want to look at him. And that really took me back to Job. And Job is held up as both a type of Christ and Job was a man of great suffering and great patience in suffering. And Job's story is fantastic for us to learn from because sometimes it's difficult for us to relate to the suffering of Jesus because you and I are not dying for the sins of the world. So it's maybe a little more difficult for us to compute. But you start talking about Job and people are like, oh no, I don't want no part of that because Job's suffering was so extreme. We're all familiar with that story. And remember when he had lost everything. He had lost everything and he was covered in boils from head to toe, and he was scraping himself with pieces of broken pottery. His suffering was horrendous, and his friends hear about it, and they come to him, and from far off, they don't even recognize him because he looks so horrible. They can't even recognize their friend. And when they get to him, after they weep for him, they just sit in silence with him for seven days. Job's suffering was so great. They just sat there. There wasn't anything they could say yet. Later they did. But this just reminded me of Jesus and people hiding their faces from him. The suffering of Jesus was such that people turned away. They didn't want to look. And commentators differ on this, but it's either that he was so disgusting in his condition that they couldn't stand to look at him. And it also could have been because he was so contemptible to them. Think about it. The people still feel this way about Jesus. Jesus had said these things. He had basically made the claim. Everybody knew the claims he had made. He had the king of the Jews sign over him. And they're like, look at him. He's just dying on a cross. This is pathetic. It was so contemptible to them. People just turned their faces away. They didn't even want to look at him. Jesus didn't come here interested in a life of comfort and ease. That's not what he did. I thought, too, about when a certain man told Jesus that he wanted to follow him. Jesus said, in so many words, you have to count the cost. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was traveling all the time. He was pursued by people that were plotting against him that wanted to kill him, that were unjustly accusing him. He was rejected, persecuted, mocked, scorned, accused, condemned, and killed, all while patiently enduring. All of it, in all of it, he patiently endured. 
and thinking about um, patient endurance and delays. So that was Jesus's hardships. And in a way, he also experienced delays, though it wasn't so much of a delay as it was God's timing. And I think a lot of times when we experience delays, maybe what we're really experiencing is just God's timing. And we have to be patiently endurant in that. Think about Jesus and his kingship. There was so much pressure for him to prove himself in certain ways. When Satan tempted him, he was tempting him at one point to ascend to kingship in his own power. Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and their glory and says, I will give you all of this. You will be king over all of this if you'll just bow down and worship me. The temptation is you don't need God's timing. I know he said these things and this is your destiny, but how about right now? How about you just do it my way? But Jesus doesn't give in. He overcomes. He patiently endures. And he was also encouraged by people. He was even expected to take the kingship by force, to rise and lead this rebellion and become king of the people. So much so that they were going to make him king by force. And he had to get away from them. And even with that added on top of the other temptation, Jesus didn't give in. He patiently endured He waited for the timing of God. He was submitted to the will of the Father all the time. He turns down all of that earthly glory, and instead he goes to death on a cross. He goes to this dishonorable death of a criminal, completely unjustly. And there's an important clue to how Jesus was able to patiently endure suffering and temptation, all of these different things. It's in 1 Peter 2. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He always entrusted himself to the Father. Jesus is not reactionary. He's not just walking around reacting to everything that happens to him. His identity is firmly rooted. He knows who his father is. He knows who he is. He understands reality and what is coming. He understands the plan of the father. And man, he is on board. He's not just walking around reacting. No matter what he was faced with, his trust was always in the father's goodness. So rather than seek vengeance or give in to temptation, he's able to rest in perfect patience. So often... When God is leading us to some kind of conclusion, he only shows us one step at a time. He just shows you, like, this is what you need to do next. And often we just don't know what lies beyond that. And that just kills us. <laughs> like, it kills our flesh. It's, it's so difficult. We just want to give me the whole plan so I can say, even say no to it. How hard is this going to be? We want it all laid out. And he's just like, here's the next step. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to entrust yourself to me, the one who judges justly, the one who can see all of it? We've got to trust him. So I guess the question is, as far as application on this, if your belief in Jesus were to make your life difficult in some way, if you were to encounter some sort of hardship because of your belief in Jesus, would you entrust yourself to the one who judges justly? And patiently endure? Or would you give in? In our times of greatest difficulty, temptation, persecution, 
God is always our refuge. There is no better place to turn than him. He's always there for us. We, we can always hide in him. Those are our two examples that I wanted to talk about today. And just like I did with compassion, I want to close, I want to do a little conclusion today on what patience is not. So often we have these substitutes for real things that aren't the real thing. So patience is not passivity. That is not what patience is. And I have this little meme, and I'm sure that every, you know a lot of you have seen this. This dog is being passive. He's not being patient. If you didn't know that there was a fire going on around him, you might just be like, well, look at that guy. He's like really patient. He's just at peace sitting there. He's being passive. He's just like letting this thing happen to him. And it is not going to go well for him. He's just passively ignoring all these problems, saying, this is fine, while everything just burns down around him. Patience is not just letting things happen to you. That is passivity. There's going to be times where we need to take action on something. There are times when the Holy Spirit leads us to confront. There are times where we just have to walk forward into the unknown. There's times when we need to confront others. There's times when we need to confront ourselves. We can't be passive on those things. We can't use patience as an excuse for avoiding things that we should deal with. Patience is not a disguise for staying in your comfort zone. That's not what patience is. Think of a farmer. He doesn't just passively sit there and hope that the ground produces a crop. But he does the work. He sows the seed. He cultivates the soil. He fertilizes. He does all of those things. And then he waits patiently because there's some elements of this crop that are out of his control. And he acknowledges that. And that's where the patient endurance comes in. But he's done his bit. He's done the part that he's supposed to do. A good test. I've been thinking about this a lot for myself lately. I think this is so good. If you're not sure whether you're being patient or passive, ask yourself, what fruit has my patience produced? Like, what is coming out of my patient endurance? Am I the dog here? Has everything burned down around me while I've been exercising my patience? Or has my patience brought about life, growth, peace, maturity? That's just a great test. What what are we really practicing, patience or passivity? Just like I said with compassion and with everything else, We have to seek God. We have to seek God for his timing. We have to seek him for his wisdom. And he is so faithful to speak to us, to guide us, to lead us in those things. He just is. Isn't he amazing? He just meets us and gives us what we need. So as we live our lives, we just have to seek him. And he'll be faithful to give us that discernment. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that you have put the deposit of your spirit inside of us, Lord, that you've made us new. 
that you've given us the power, the authority, the ability to be increasingly more and more like Jesus. And we just acknowledge that and receive it and submit to you in that, Lord. I pray you would work powerfully in us to glorify yourself, Lord. Please give us discernment. Please give us wisdom and show us where we need to move forward, where we need to confront, where we need to patiently endure and wait for your timing, Lord. We submit to you in whatever you say, and we trust your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.